2: Back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. Dirk Botner joined once again by Kyle Newbeck as Devon continues his isolation away from us. How you doing, buddy?
0: Would you say that Devon is ramping back up in order <laughs> yeah. to uh, join, rejoin yeah. the PHLY Sixers podcast? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, He's like James Harden and now Draymond Green. Look, it notice? just takes a
2: little. He came in after a three months at one month absence and played. Had no minutes restriction. It just took a little bit of a wear on him emotionally. Needs a few days away. That's fine. That's fine. We get it, Devon. We can be a bit much. We do have, you know, I don't think we necessarily had this on our agenda, mostly because we forgot that uh, the so results came out today. That All
0: Star We did. Get,
2: we did get some All Star. Uh, the first round of fan voting um, results from that. So we will have that to talk about. Uh, we might talk a little bit about a starting lineup change. We solicited some questions from some mailbags, I assume you would prefer to start with the all-star stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the big headline today. If there's news, then that is it. Certainly other stuff for us to discuss. But uh, for anybody who somehow missed this today, I can tell you what the exact results are. So in the Eastern Conference front court, we have Giannis in first with about 2.1 milli. Joel Embiid, number two in line to start, no surprise, 1.8 mil and Jason Tatum at 3 in the front court about 1.7 and a half ish million. So, I think those that's pretty fair, yeah, right? Yeah. Like the, no yeah. real arguments with those guys being the front court starters. And then you go to the back court. I don't I don't know that these guys are that contentious. The Halliburton number 1 by a considerable margin, which if the NBA wants to take any victory laps on the in-season tournament, I think that's probably what they would point to. the raise his profile. The profile boost that Halliburton got being in that tournament. He's first by quite a bit with about 1.4 million, a little under 1.4 million. Dame Lillard at second, slightly under a million. And then the next two, particularly the next one, is where I have some problems. Trey Young at three at a little under 900,000, Donovan Mitchell, 624,000, Tyrese Maxey at fifth, 480,062 votes. And here would be my case for our friend, I won't say friend of the podcast, let's say uh colleague of the podcast, I don't know how he would even...
2: Are you talking about Tyrese? Yeah. Uh, a of we the cover? podcast. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Tyrese, here's what I would say to make his case over, you know, look, I think it's going to be hard pressed to beat out Dame in a popularity contest. I'm certainly not going to say he's outright better than Halliburton, who's having an incredible season. No, I think Halliburton
2: should be the number one vote as the number one guy. Yep.
0: I think Tyrese has a case against any of the other guys. The one that bothers me is Trey Young, who I will preface this by saying Trey's stats are great. Individually having an excellent season as the number one option in Atlanta. I also think you can directly tie Atlanta being as mid or bad. Mid? They're the 27th been, defense in the league. Okay. Yeah. As bad as they are to Trey young. And I would say that on both sides of the floor, right? Like he's an insanely gifted offensive player. Stats are undeniable. But the fit with DeJounte Murray in many ways has not worked because of Trey Young's limitations or unwillingness, frankly, to be more of an active off-ball guy. It's sort of the the James Harden argument, right? It's worth putting the ball in Trey Young's hands because he's a gifted passer, great off-the-bounce shooter, can draw fouls, do this, do that. But he doesn't really play nice with others, right? If you're not directly... Getting assisted by Trey Young, then you're going to suffer in many ways because you're playing with Trey Young. And to Derek's point, on the other side of the ball, he is such a toxic defender at the point of attack that that drags your entire defense down. Now, I'm not saying that he wouldn't gain from playing next to Joel Embiid rather than like like the Hawks have
2: a bunch of non defenders like. No, look, some of these guys, I think, were overrated defensively, and that plays a factor into it. But like DeJounte Murray, Sadiq Bey, like Clint Capella, like DeAndre Hunter, these are people who have defensive defensive reputations, and they're all in the top uh, six of their minutes played. Uh, So they certainly, I think, have tried to, and there are some weak defenders in there for sure, Bogdanovich probably being, although he's not like a terrible defender, for them to be 27th, that is in part, and large part, a reflection of Trey Young and his deficiencies. Like, if, if you put Trey Young on the Sixers instead of Max's, Sixers would be a substantially worse defense.
0: Yes, and I think they would be, in many ways, a worse team because of that. Because, look, Tyrese, I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, he's Scottie Pippen out there or Gary Payton locking people down, right? Like, he's definitely got his own defensive limitations, but the Sixers have been able to be a very good team defense with Tyrese on the floor. I think, at the very least, you see Tyrese competing and wanting to be good on that end of the floor. And I know, like, we're talking about fan voting, right? Fans are not going to be like, well, Tyrese is a better pick and roll or pick and roll defender or second side helper or better as being the low man. Like, nobody gives a shit. I understand that. This is a (laughs) a popularity contest. It's the, ooh, that guy makes a lot of highlight reel plays. I get it. You're preaching to the choir on that, and the fans are going to vote for who they're voting for. But I I think if you're looking at this and you say, who deserves to be an all-star, I think Tyrese's case is much stronger than Trey's. And as much as people have tried to devalue team success in a lot of individual awards and honors as we take a closer look at sports through stats and things, I still think it matters that Trey Young's team sucks and he has a big, (laughs) big part to play in why they suck. Like, I think that should matter.
2: Yeah, and look, I think like like you mentioned, this is a popularity contest. This is fans voting. Uh, there, is, we're still not to any kind of media or coaching selections. And Trey has a track record, a longer track record. A, a he's had bigger moments on the bigger stages in the playoffs than Maxi has to this point. If yeah. we were three years further into Tyrese Maxi's career with the exact same stats, Maxi gets more votes just because he's been in the public eye for much longer. And I think part of it is also that, you know, Maxi's first 10 games, he was completely dominant, like 28.4.7 assists, 43% from three. If he would have kept those up, even without the name recognition, he probably gets ahead of some of these guys in the vote. I don't want to say he struggled since like over the last 22 games, 25.6 assists, 37% from three, still incredible numbers, but numbers that are comparable to other guards in the East. So that brings him back to the pack in terms of at least the conversation to where, Name recognition can be a differentiating factor. And Trey Young individually over the last 20 games has been amazing. 31 points per game, 11.4 assists, 42% from three. He has been real good offensively in terms of his own individual numbers. Now the Hawks have been 8-12 and over that 20-game stretch. They're still not winning. We just talked about his defense. That is a factor in them not winning. Uh, His turnovers, quite frankly, are a factor in their defense because they get out and transition a lot. And that's another aspect that he controls. But because of the way that those two players have performed of late, and we all suffer, fans included, from recency bias, the fact that Trey Young is putting up monster stat lines and has a name recognition is part of that equation. I don't think Trey Young deserves to be ahead of Tyrese Maxey in the results. It truthfully doesn't matter though only the starters are determined by the fan vote after that we get to coaches and by the way we are back to the old school format of an east versus west there are 12 east players 12 west players we no longer have the captain format that was done away with
0: I will say I'm a little like I'm a little disappointed about that I understand like people have kind of grown out of it and got sick of the concept but I enjoyed that whole idea of like who's going to be picked last (laughs) at the all-star game that was a very fun subplot for me
2: But, you know, I think, look, I think the only player who's had a, who's clearly differentiated himself in terms of this year's result is Tyrese Halliburton. So I enjoy seeing him ahead of the pack in the fan voting as well. I think Maxie has a case with pretty much everyone left on the list. You certainly understand uh, Lillard and his body of work and his recognizability being ahead of the, uh, in the fan vote. When you start getting into the Mitchell and Mitchell, I think that he's just missed, you know, he's missed what, seven or eight games at this point. His numbers are comparable to Maxie. I think Maxie deserves it more. We just talked about Trey. Um, I always go back to the key is that you have a guard in this conversation. It's wild to think about If you would have gone back two years ago, and this is always sort of like why I, I don't worry too much about, is someone the third best guard in the East or the fifth? Who cares? You're in the conversation. More importantly, you have a guy who compliments Joel Embiid on and off the floor almost perfectly. That being said, I do think Tyrese Maxey deserves to be higher up in this list. Even if I get the fact that it's very unlikely and probably doesn't deserve it, to be in the top two.
0: Yeah. And like I could sit here and be like, well, Philadelphia fans are gonna have to show up more, like Pacers fans clearly have for Halliburton. But if you go through, and this doesn't impact him starting or not, go through and look at some of the names that he's gotten more votes in. He's got more votes than Kyrie Irving, he's got mm-hmm. more votes than Anthony Edwards, got more votes than Kristaps Porzingis having an awesome year in ball. Like there are a lot of guys having De'Aaron Fox, he's got basically over twice as many votes. As he has, and Fox has taken a major shooting leap this year after already being an all-star type guy in years past. So I think he's being recognized for his ascent. It just so happens that ultra popular name brand type players that it's going to be tough for him to win in a fan vote. I would say if you're looking at this, if you're trying to take a positive spin on it, I think Halliburton and Lillard were going to make this team no matter yep, what. I agree. I think. If those two end up being the two starters, that ends up being the best possible outcome for Maxi just making the team, because I think coaches will look at it and say, "I don't want to give Trey Young this consider as much consideration," when you think about how bad his team has been this year. This guy has impacted winning, and Tyrese has certainly done that on a very good team next to Joel Embiid. So I think coaches are more inclined to reward someone like Tyrese. I'm interested to see how the media vote splits out when we get to that point in, in a little bit here and certainly how the players line it up. I think Trey is a sort of player who almost always gets a, a high percentage of the player vote. He's just a... For the same reason fans like, fans like him, right? He's tough to guard, really exciting players, had yep. some big moments late in games. I get all that. But I think Tyrese will make it eventually, and I think it's lining up for him... And probably the best way possible, if I had to guess.
2: Yeah, uh, I think it'll be fascinating. Like I said, with the trade or the the coach vote, do you end up getting a point where Derek White gets consideration because he is playing so well on the best team in the league? Um, and they like to reward players like that, players who play a role on a winning team and excel in that role. But there's also so many other guards who are having all star caliber seasons, and that's really what I would say is like all of these players that we're talking about are having all all star caliber seasons. It's a numbers game. I do think it's pretty wild that you still only have 12 players per team. Uh, it's it's. I've heard JJ Redick mention this a bunch in the past, but it's the same as it was in the 60s when there was you know half the th- less than half the teams playing. So to have not expanded the roster at all is pretty wild. Uh, it's a real tough to get in there. It should be tough, but I think it could probably ease a little bit. That being said, I'm just completely tickled with the fact that Tyrese Maxey is in this conversation. that We can both sit here and incredibly say he should be an all-star guard for the East, it is a, a great spot to be in.
0: Yeah. Like if you go and even just the numbers comparisons and say, look, he's basically averaging equal or better to Dame to Dame. Yeah. The Dame Lillard who in the summer was like, what can the Sixers do to move heaven and earth to potentially get Dame? And because Tyrese Maxey is what it would have taken, everyone rightfully was like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. But the prospect of getting a Dame level player to play next to Joel Embiid was so exciting, and then Tyrese Maxey has been literally a Dame level player yeah. for the first thirty whatever games of the season. That in and of itself is the biggest win of you know the first yep. three months or whatever it is of the season, and he's doing all this while Joel is you know usage is as high as ever has become even more of a playmaking hub and and doing the things that, Hey, we're going to give the ball to Tyrese and see what he does as a point guard. Well, Tyrese has been able to toggle between these modes where sometimes he's a off the catch shooter. He's running off of handoffs or next play. He's a pick and roll passer. He's finding Joel at the elbow. He's getting all the way to the rim, spraying a pass to the corner. So to see him do all of these things to back that up with the numbers and frankly, to help Joel, win as many games as they have already. That's all a a testament to the season that he's having. I think he's getting maybe a a little, a a little less respect than I would have thought or would have hoped that he would get at this point. But I think that will come in the form of validation from whether it's media coaches, even players around the league. I think that's coming.
2: And that comes in future years. Like the work he's doing now will probably be rewarded next year and the following year. It's sort of the way it works. I feel like a lot of these all star votes, especially when you're talking about the fan vote, tends to be a year or two behind reality. Uh, because you have to build up that presence, that spotlight, that that like we've mentioned a lot. Unless that you win the end season tournament unless, or
0: go to the final, I should say.
2: I mean, he is also putting up twenty five and twelve. So yeah, like that's there's true. that too. Um but you know, I think uh, you know, I, I I think in future years he will have a much better chance, even if his case might be the same. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be doing this like the confidence I have that he will figure it out in future years is so astronomically high, and he's only 23. Like it's wild to think about that—that that he is competing against some of these more established players at this age. Given the first, it's the first year of him being a, a primary initiator. It's just a—it's uh, it, been a wild season. It really has.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what else is wild, Derek. How much money, Money Rocket Money, has been saving you over the last month or so? I mean,
2: legitimately two subscriptions. uh, No BS on that. They have made me found ways that I am wasting money and we all want to make sure that we get the most out of our money, which makes endorsing Rocket Money easy to do as there's a very real chance that you are like me and that you will save money by using Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap, and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even uh, even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 per year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions, stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to RocketMoney.com/phly. That's RocketMoney.com/phly. RocketMoney.com/phly.
0: And once you save that money, guys, I need you to go right down to the Game Time app because that's the best place to buy tickets to your favorite events, where you don't have to stress about prices, you don't have to stress about availability. Fast and easy way to buy tickets for any event that you could think of. And, guys, game time is the best place to go for last-minute deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So if you see a game on the calendar coming up and it's Tyrese Maxi against one of these guards that's been put ahead of him in all-star voting, you think, hey, maybe this is a Maxi revenge game. You can figure that out the day of the game, the hours leading into the game, without having to worry about prices or the last-minute deals that you can get on the GameTime app because they have exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the GameTime guarantee means you always get the best price. Find tickets in the same section and row for less. GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. Got to love that GameTime guarantee. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for good reason. Those tickets get sent directly to your phone after you buy them, so you never have to dig through your email to find them. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you are set. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Uh, I guess the the other thing I was curious about, Derek, looking through uh, the rest of the results, maybe non-Sixers division, what jumped out at you? Other Uh, than John Morant playing like four games and getting 300,000 All-Star
2: votes. Oh, let me pull back up the results because we looked at these about five minutes before, not five minutes, probably about 45 minutes before we came on and I have forgotten most of them. Uh, Let's see. I mean, honestly, Jokic being third, in the front court in the West. I get it's a popularity contest, but Kevin Durant hasn't exactly been on the court the entire time, and he's has won a couple of MVPs. So him being third is always odd. Uh let's see. Harden being fourth, I think will probably and fourth in guards in the West will probably anger some people listening to this show. He has been really good yes, of he late. Has. But a uh, big
0: reason that they're actually looking like a good and yep. competent team lately.
2: I mean Ant being sixth we talked about this beforehand but amping sixth in guards in the west come on Minnesota like you've got you've to stuff that box
0: even that like I know I was saying Philadelphia has got to show up for Tyrese some of this is just it's a national appeal voting process sure. right and I thought Ant-Man is like he's a really exciting player to watch the team's profile has risen because they've been really good to start the year and he's the number one offensive option play through him, gets all the comparisons to all the great scorers of the past, has some insane highlight dunks and things like that. So I thought he was, I mean, if he's not a shoe in to start, he's at least, you know, top three, but I get it. Luca and Steph at the top are are hard to get them off of their corners, so to speak, and then Shea, who's having an MVP-level year in Oklahoma City, guy or at least a guy who's getting real consideration for MVP. Yep. Third, so it's it's hard to break into that group. I mean, even about, even Harden is like a distant fourth. He's yeah, like yeah, yeah. half a million votes behind Shea,
2: Lamelo being within like a hundred thirty thousand votes of Jalen Brunson. Lamelo's fine player. He's played fifteen games this year. That's not an All Star. Being within fifteen, the Zoomers
0: love him. Man. Yeah, he is like, um,
2: but being that close to someone like Brunson, who is is leading the offense like that, being ahead of someone like Derek White, who's playing being a perfect role player, uh, I would certainly not agree with that voting result, but. I guess you mentioned, uh, you know, it might have his legion of fans. but
0: Yeah, it's look, a a lot of the guys who are at the top of these, you know, different voting categories all have insane legions of what we would call stands, like people who just show up for them no matter what. As we learned with Harden. Harden's got got a lot of diehards. I respect the hell out of them because even when he vomits all over himself in a big moment, (laughs) (laughs) it's nobody else's fault. Or it's everybody else's fault and not James's. So, I hope to breed that kind of loyalty in my own life. I don't know that that's happened yet. I think the people I surround myself with tend to say that I'm an asshole when I am one. So, <laughs> I kind of prefer that to the uh, the undying loyalty that some of these guys get. But yeah, I guess Ant's got longer to go. I figured though after you know he's playing on Team USA, yeah, all that. I, that's the movies. one that really shocked me. Yeah. Got his own signature shoe now. Yeah. I guess playing it, that's the playing of Minnesota tax. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Uh, I'm not sure I have too many more thoughts on that one. How about you?
0: No, I think i am all start out. Only so many takeaways you can have from one round of fan building, yeah. I would say. Yeah.
2: We did uh, sort of tease this the other day, though. There has obviously Kelly came in, uh, filled in the DeAnthony Melton role in the starting lineup. There are a lot of, I think, people who are interested in seeing that as a potential lineup going forward, specifically as a, a lineup that might have a little more versatility in some playoff matches. What are your overall thoughts on, uh, on whether or not that is viable?
0: Well, I think it's viable. The question for me is, do you need to do anything right. right now? Right? Like the argument has to be, it's clearly superior to what they are doing and have right now. Right? Because it's one thing. Actually, there was a story today about the L.A. Lakers where Darvin Ham is allegedly losing the locker room there. And one of the, the big reasons behind that reportedly is because he has shuffled the lineup so much and he's trying so many different combinations. And part of why they're doing that is they just haven't been good enough, right? They're, they've been a very mediocre. They're now below 500. I think they're flirting with being out of the play-in. And that's the sort of team that you can justify saying, look, guys have been hurt in and out of the lineup. We haven't found the one group, the one five and bench unit that works. And that's when you start searching for, okay, let's try somebody else here. Let's move this guy to the bench. I think the problem that Nick Nurse would run into is like, all right, now you're moving into like overthinking it territory, right? Because I know that DeAnthony is not exactly the most popular Sixers player. In fact, I would say my appreciation for DeAnthony is several levels above like average Sixers fan, if I had to guess. And that's not to say that I'm right and you're wrong. It's just to say that the things I value are different than average Sixers fan. And so uh, to me, you look at all the splits, you see the Sixers starting lineup for this season is just absolutely bulldozing teams when they're healthy. What is it? You probably have the numbers in front of you. It is
2: absurd. It is a plus 33 net rating in 467 possessions uh, with a 137.3 offensive rating that falls in the 100th percentile and a 103.9 defensive rating, which falls in the 99th percentile.
0: So when you have a starting lineup that is blitzing teams that badly and look, I get it. They were able to pad some of that with the stretch against the Detroits, the Washingtons, the Atlanta Hawks, who we just talked about. I get it. So that number is probably not as good or as high as it seems through that. But even if you took like 10 points of the net rating off, that's still like best lineup on a title team level good. And so we're not just talking about, hey – The starting lineup with Melton in it is pretty good, but you could see some debate. It is like the single best lineup in the entire NBA, at least up through 30-whatever games of the season. And we'll see it borne out over a larger sample, but I think that's the toughest part for me. It's not that I don't see value in, hey, Kelly might work better against certain matchups, bigger teams with bigger wings that – They need more of that big switchability where DeAnthony is more, you know, backcourt switchability. I just, I think it's really hard to look at (laughs) DeAnthony or anybody in that lineup in the eyes and be like, yeah, you know that thing that is absolutely dominant? We're going to stop doing that temporarily. Yeah,
2: right. Um, Yeah, if this was a lineup that was struggling, sure. And you could honestly even make a case if, like, if we're preparing for the playoffs, Maybe you're preparing for Boston and the size they have on the wings. You just want to put more, more size on the court. Sure, I can get that. But I think a couple of things. First of all, like you said, take changing a starting lineup that hasn't, it's not that they've been just working. They've been arguably the best lineup in the league and being like, we're going to change this just because you had one good game with Kelly in the starting lineup. Like That's just not going to happen. And I, I even dove into it because the starting lineup with Ubre in it has been good as well, but it's only been 63 possessions, been a much like one tenth of the sample size. Um, so I looked at it. I looked at Melton in the starting lineup or Melton in lineups with Embiid and Maxi and Kelly in lineups with Embiid and Maxi. You get a much better sample size there 508 possessions with Kelly, plus 6.2 net rating. Uh, that's good. But with Embiid, Maxi, and Melton, it's been a plus 15.4. So I think there is a lot of data and evidence that Melton is a really good fit around your two franchise players. And I think it makes sense because he is, for as good as Kelly is and as good as he's been this year, and the arguments you can make about size defensively, I think Melton is a much better connective piece on offense uh, in terms of just spacing the floor, even though Kelly can shoot. I think Melton is a better catch-and-shoot player, especially when you start talking about taking contested shots. like I think his shot doesn't break down as much, even if it is a little bit streaky and just a better decision maker, a better passer. Like I think there's reasons why he would fit better when you don't want a player to necessarily take over the game. You just want him to fit within the flow of an offense. I think Melton does that pretty well. And I do think there are some matchups that you could worry about the lack of size on the perimeter and you would want to get another six, five, six, 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 seven foot kind of wing in there. But I think when we start talking about that, there's a very real chance they make a trade that changes this equation anyway. So I don't really want to worry about that. And, and you know, if your your argument is that you should start testing this out so that you know what you have for the playoffs, I'll agree with you in late February and March. Sure. Mm -hmm. Let's experiment a little bit, but I don't think it's going to get to the point where how well Kelly plays with this lineup is going to make me go, no, they shouldn't pursue another wing at the trade deadline. So at this point, why change what's not broken?
0: Yeah, I mean, really, the only reason to me right now that you would consider bumping Kelly up is if you think that there's a problem in the locker room because Kelly's not starting, which a guy on a minimum contract who has seen his star yeah, fall yeah. as far as Kelly has, I don't think he's really in a position no, to his, one of upset his primary, the apple cart.
2: Yeah, one of his primary goals this year has to be, don't be a problem.
0: Yes. Yeah. And and look, I'm not saying that he has or is going to do that at all. I think I actually said yesterday or two days ago on the show, I think one of the things that, I've, that I personally have been happiest with with Kelly is that he's been about the right things yeah, both on and off the floor, saying the right things, doing mm-hmm. the right things. So, like, I mean, look, if Kelly was a guy making more money and him and DeAnthony were in some kind of Cold War where it was like, oh, I can't believe he's starting over me or it was becoming a problem, but I just – I don't see that happening. I've seen no evidence that any of these guys are really thinking that way. If they are, they have not shown it at all. It has not come up around media. It doesn't – if you look when they're in the huddle, when they're on the floor together, there are no signs of things like that. So I think these guys don't really care. And that being the case, just leave it alone. (laughs) Like, I – it is one of the things that like something that I think was slightly underrated with Doc Rivers that certainly Uh-oh. has carried. Oh, careful. I said this many times last year. When something works, don't go away from yeah. it. Like that was one thing that Doc I always Doc would run gave. the
2: same play six times in a row. And yep.
0: The Joel's favorite thing that Doc taught him to do is when they would run a play and the play would work, you'd see Joel come down the floor and just go, Run it again and, and run to the be same fair, exact Nick's play. done,
2: Like, how many games did we see that empty side pick and roll where yes. they just
0: pound it and pound right. it? Right. But uh, it. so, all I'm saying is good coaches generally understand if I have a good thing, there's no reason to mess with it. Like, Nick is a tinkerer. Nick likes to experiment. Nick likes to do lots of different things. But when you have a starting lineup that might be the single best lineup in the NBA, I don't know that that's actually true once it gets down yeah, to playoff yeah, yeah. time, whatever. But when it's winning you lots of regular season games, I will also say this. They have, as much as the net rating is padded by beating Detroit and Washington, whatever, this is a lineup that has beaten Oklahoma City, that's beaten Minnesota, that's beaten Boston, has beaten a lot of... All the teams other than, I guess, Milwaukee that they've played that are at the top of the pecking order, they've got at least one win against all of them, and that's with this group, so... No reason to go crazy with so changes what you're
2: saying by not disrupting what's working and by the risk of making a change in the lineup maybe we should not bring Devon back tomorrow night
0: no nah, I I think Devon has been a seamless okay. fit with what we have okay. gone on but
2: just throwing it out there I'm just making sure we're on the th- same page if,
0: if the chatters feel otherwise they can certainly weigh <laughs> in not that uh I think the company will be taking advice from them on whether to <laughs> retain Devon for employment or not but
2: Dave P, let us know in the chat what we should do with Devon.
0: <laughs> he did say, "Okay, I agree," but we don't know uh, what to. It could have been yeah, a. Yeah. I don't know what that's to. It could be Devon getting out we're, of here. We're, but we're just giving. We Devon love you, grief. Devon. We, for, we, if we you love you. We love you. Anyway, in the meantime, I would love to tell you guys about our friends, and you guys can get to hear me say "Bagels" about fifteen times in one ad read, which I know everyone loves. Bagels and Co. offers huge. Brooklyn-style bagels, the biggest ones you can get in the area. They are made in Philadelphia. I eat bagels several days a week for breakfast. Bagels & Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels that rotate seasonally. They just had a Christmas-themed bagel. I don't know what they're cooking up for, if there's like a Valentine's Day, an Easter, anything that's coming up, but they're always worth checking out. They they mix up the flavors. They got great variety, and if you're a cream cheese guy, I will not eat a A bagel with anything other than cream cheese as the spread. They have thirty different flavors of cream cheese that also rotate throughout the year. It's worth mentioning: bagels and co do themed cream cheeses for all the local sports teams. I know the team on my sweatshirt, the Eagles, is not in good standing right now, but they do have a Sixers themed cream cheese, so worth checking out if you head down there. And just as important as that variety is the affordability you get at bagels and co because they've kept their prices down so that you can be an everyday customer not just someone who comes in for a weekend splurge. You know, sometimes you get a a bacon, egg, and cheese somewhere, and you think, oh, I'm I'm a real fancy lad. You can go to Bagels & Co. every single day for an affordable price that's better than the name brand chain competitors. And by the way, they offer premium coffee at a superior price to most national brands and chains, so it can be a one-stop shop for your morning. For the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, Head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. Got a
2: few responses in the chat. Will says that he loves Devon. So Bree, if you can let Vince know that he should re-enable Devon's key card, yeah. we will allow let him back, back in the studio. building yep. after
0: his, uh, yep. his two days off here. Now, it's, to, to be clear to everyone listening, you know, Derek and I love Devon and he's... Taking care of his own business. I feel like people at this point should know. Like if we're, I think so. If we're making
2: fun of you, it means we like you. If we're quiet about you, that's when you have to start to get start getting worried. I feel like people probably picked up on that. Probably, but, again, we, but new, we do we get, get, new get new people yeah, in yeah, here yeah. every day, so you know we know. are only eighty percent of the asshole that we
0: portray uh, ourselves as. Yeah, eighty percent might be generous. But, <laughs> uh, I do have all these mailbag questions in front of us. I don't know if you want to go further down the lineup rabbit hole. I know you have a bunch of. You had a lot of numbers and stats prepared, but... No, I mean, I I think, like, look,
2: I understand the sentiment that, like, someone like Boston, you're going to want more size on the perimeter. I don't disagree with that at all. I just think when you... uh, Melton is in, in the starting lineup with Melton is playing this well, and when there's a big trade deadline that could shake things up anyway, there's no reason to shake the boat four weeks before the team could be changed.
0: And I would say it reflects well on Kelly that it's at least worth talking about because he has avoided so many of those pitfalls that you and I talked about when they signed him And when we were looking ahead to the full season, because part of the reason I think you put someone like Melton in the starting five on top of the defensive stuff is that he's pretty happy in a relatively low usage role, quick trigger shooter, all that stuff. And Kelly has, for the most part, He has not been an off script, four sub shots, do ridiculous stuff guy when he's on the floor. For the most part. There are still like, but I would say his occasional bad mid-range pull-ups or the tightly contested three are semi-comparable to DeAnthony throwing his body at four people in the paint and taking the worst layup attempt you've ever seen. It's people don't look at it the same way because it's from an area of the floor that I think like Nick Nurse wants to attack more than the mid-range, but they're kind of in the same bucket when you look at the success rate right, that DeAnthony has on layup attempts. So, I think if you look at it from that perspective, it's not been that different, and I think that's not a criticism of DeAnthony. I think that's more Kelly has been more of the guy that I think they've needed than I was expecting him to be coming into the season, and I think it's a great thing for the team ultimately that Kelly's been good enough that if they do need to make lineup changes against a Boston or a team with you know bigger wings, and they need to put Kelly in a bigger role, I feel at least relatively competent or confident.
2: Well, I'm glad you will, feel competent.
0: I do you, feel competent. Most I will. Days. I, I
2: give you a lot of grief, but you are at least competent. I will give hey, you
0: that. That's what I'm. Yeah. As long as the checks keep clearing, <laughs> that's all that matters. Uh, but so <laughs> Kelly, you can stick in the lineup. And I think you can feel confident that he'll do the things they need him to do and bring at least a slightly different dimension than DeAnthony. That's a great thing for this team. Yeah, I agree. So, do we want to hit the mailbag? Let's hit it. Our good friend Michael Weber asks, shouldn't Cove play more? Seems like Nurse doesn't love or trust him. First of all, I
2: love you, Michael. He's always been a big fan of our work. Uh, I appreciate the chance to talk to him, but you clearly do not listen to this show enough because I feel (laughs) like we complain about Cov not playing all the time. Yes, we agree 100%. I would love to see Cub play more. I don't know why he keeps falling out of the rotation in various places. Um, It could be that I just completely overrate him, but I'm pretty confident in what he brings defensively. He shoots it well enough to at least space the floor. He's chaos at times on defense in the best ways possible. He's still among the league leaders in steals per possession and steals per minute and deflections. I would love to see him play more. Yes.
0: So I'm going to play brief devil's advocate. I agree. We're still in agreement that he should play more. I wonder, has Cove seemed more hesitant as a shooter to you than he was in years past? Certainly, than when he was here the first time, because I think he was sure he shot way more than people wanted him to. At right.
2: But I like, I, I think at that point, I don't want to say all fans, but a lot of fans weren't comfortable with high volume three point yes. shooting at that level. Uh, I think a lot of people still viewed a 36% look from three as a bad shot. I don't necessarily think that is. He might not have quite as quick of a trigger, but I wouldn't say he hesitates that much. I do think he now is mildly more comfortable or you might say competent in his attacking closeout than he was the first mm-hmm. time here. So maybe that gives him a little bit of a, he's actually has a decision to make rather than just launch the three. Uh, but he's still like, I, I bet you if you'll look, his threes per minute and, and three point rate are pretty good. I feel like.
0: I just think anecdotally, it, it seems like there are shots that I would have not even had to guess what he was going to do. He'd just take the shot and now he's stepping out of more of those and, You're right that he's a better attacker now, so maybe that factors into it. But I wonder how much of it is that. like They already have other record scratch players, Tobias, um, (laughs) that we have to talk about and think about and factor into the rotation at all times. I also wonder how much of it is wanting... Not that you and I love Marcus Morris as you a are secondary right. it's, creator it's, it's all the time. It's way down. Is it way down? 5.5,
2: 5. three-point attempts per 100 possessions. He was up in the 10 range when he was here the first time.
0: Yeah, so the numbers say that I guess I'm on to something Fair point. So I wonder if it's a combination of that. And I think a guy like Marcus Morris just has more off-the-dribble juice. And as you and I are saying, hey, they need – defense and what Cov brings and all that. And there have absolutely been nights that he brings that. I, I wonder if Nick nurse is here on the other side of us where we're like, could you just put like anybody who can dribble on the floor? Yeah. And so Marcus can get them out of some, some tough possessions that I think Cove and frankly, a lot of other guys on the roster really can't. Yeah.
2: But no, going back to Weber's question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there. we're in both in agreement and most people are in agreement. He should play. A bit more. Uh, Okay, here's a fun one. that This could be a headline for a show, but it was the big topic of the morning on social media. What would a trade for LeBron look like? That's asked by Andrew Prosser because the Lakers right now are in absolute shambles and trying to figure out if... Here's my thing. One, and Derek would agree with me on this, LeBron is not asking for a trade yes. and he's not being traded. And they're so not this trading is, him. Yeah. This is yeah. a purely hypothetical exercise.
2: I I, I mean, the contract to match is obviously Tobias. It's got to be Tobias. Yep. It's got to be Tobias. Uh, this is such a weird hypothetical because there's just no chance of it happening. Um, I, I mean, how many first round picks are we talking?
0: Could you do it for two? Like, is it?
2: I, again, it's weird hypothetical because <laughs> LeBron means so much more than just what he does on the court. Yeah, and There's no chance of the Lakers. Halt. like two, Two's not going to do it, but you don't want to give up three, but it all doesn't matter because it's not going to happen. All
0: right. There was a spinoff question. I don't remember who asked it. I believe somebody else asked the question of if LeBron had come to Philadelphia when he decided to go to LA. Yeah, I saw that. How different does the last that five was, years? That was play the out? summer
2: of Calangelo, right? That was twenty eighteen. Yes. Twenty yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah. So that was before the Jimmy, Tobias, all of those mistakes. the uh, Jimmy trade wasn't a mistake. The second tr- Jimmy trade the was Jimmy, a mistake.
0: The Jimmy, the first Jimmy trade yeah. was a for all the grief out in gets, he nailed that one. That was a great trade.
2: And that was that was before no, that would have been after Bridges. But maybe you then keep Bridges because you don't need to well no, but that was a draft
0: night. That was before I think that, Bridges that would it. have gotten traded well, through the LeBron vortex. Well, not only <laughs> that, but
2: like that that trade happened before the summer of his yeah. signing anyway. Uh, yeah, I think they when a, they I'll tell you what, LeBron on this team, they don't lose that freaking Hawks disaster. No.
0: Now and, here's my question. Is Joel still on the team at that point? I mean, because it so remember the context of LeBron potentially coming here. It was the clutch mafia, sure, him and Ben. Ben was his protege,
2: and and that front office adored Ben because he was their own, correct?
0: Yep. So, do you end up at a point where it's LeBron and Ben and Joel gets moved? I don't for, think so.
2: I think I, don't I, know, I, I, I think LeBron cares more about winning than he does about clutch.
1: And I I think LeBron's a
2: smart enough player to realize that big 7-2 dude who nobody in the world can defend (laughs) is more valuable than this guy who, you know, nobody has to defend and is clogging up the paint for me. I think he'd come to that
0: conclusion. Do they win more than a title?
2: I mean, I think anytime you start talking about winning multiple titles, a lot has to go right. But I certainly think they have a chance. Look, we've seen imperfect teams, and that's what makes sort of this era of Sixers basketball so frustrating. We've seen imperfect teams get to NBA finals from the East. Like the, the Celtics offense almost always breaks down at various points in the playoffs, not the entire run as we saw in game seven of the conference semifinals last year. But at various points, their offense becomes predictable and stale. The Heat have always been a team that wins 43 games and somehow finds their way in the NBA finals. How many, how many finals trips have those two teams combined for uh, since the, since LeBron went out West?
0: Which two teams are you talking about?
2: Uh, Celtics and Heat.
0: Heat have two. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Celtics have that one. So, like, yeah. yeah, I think there's a road open for the Sixers winning multiple.
0: That's, I, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, and, I and, add, like,
2: so and if you set the over under at 1.5, I'd probably take the under just because it's tough for any team to win multiple titles in a five year stretch. But they certainly have a chance.
0: Here's the other thing if you get LeBron and he commits, remember that was the summer that Kawhi was on the table. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What if they had LeBron, oh, Kawhi, God. and Joel Embiid on the same team at the same time? You imagine?
2: Well, and that's that's always been like the what if that nobody really talks about
0: because it's the one I bring up every single time I have an opportunity well, to do but so. but Like
2: what, what, what if the Sixers actually trade Ben at the apex of his value rather than let that asset deteriorate into nothing and being a negative contract. There's, there was a lot of value on the trade market for Ben and that was
0: the. Yeah. yeah. So suffice it to say, I don't think Derek and I believe that the, uh, the Sixers are in the market for LeBron James because nobody is in the market for LeBron James. He will never get traded unless he specifically asks for it, and he's not going to ask for it. I think he is aware for many reasons of how that would look for him to be forcing a trade. Yep, I agree. Uh, Actually, brief aside from the mailbag, because this has come up. Woj has said now publicly and reported this that there is no market for Zach Levine. So I don't know if that means we need to take any kind of victory lap on (laughs) everything we've reported on the Sixers' interest in Zach Levine. But I did want to at least bring that up, that the guy who I think I trust more than anything or anyone, I should say, with NBA reporting is like, yeah, nobody wants that guy. I do think if I were handicapping it, the Lakers are the one team that I'm like, I think they yeah, are... Well, I mean, you just talked about it. Because of the run, have to be desperate, the coach, yeah. all that. I think there's a chance that they go after Levine. Again, clutch mafia, so you never know. Rich Paul, by the way, was in the building for that Bulls game the other night that the Sixers played. You want to try to do the, like, it's always sunny, connecting 15 different dots all over the map. So, anyway, just wanted to bring that up while I was yeah, thinking about it. I agree. Uh, we have a question from... Flanatico, who asks, would Caruso cost more than one unprotected first round pick?
2: I mean, this might be the question of the trade deadline, because I think the more I think about it, the more I'm getting on board with targeting specific role players who have years left on their contract. Caruso only has one, um, but I think there's two reasons for that. One, it's going to be exceptionally tough to keep three stars around in the double apron CBA and when some of those trade restrictions I mean, we, when you started talking about trade restrictions, some of these haven't kicked in yet. Like you can't aggregate salaries. If you're like, it gets real tough to build teams if you hit that double apron. So unless there's a, a darn near perfect piece, and I think there's probably influencing the Zach Levine market quite a bit, unless there's a darn near perfect third piece to give a, a huge contract to maybe it makes more sense to target some players like a Bogdanovich, like a Caruso, someone in that ilk, who not only has another year left on his contract in Caruso's case, or is it two or three years left on Bogdanovich's case, either way, not only do they have some time left, but you now have a chance to go out there and and use, because I, th- I think there's going to be a depressed market for some of these mid-tier starters. Use that to your advantage and try to build just a, an Embiid and Maxi and a whole bunch of good role players sort of team. I think that might end up being at least a conversation to have, especially if the perfect third star doesn't come on the market. But is that price going to come down? Because I think two firsts is a, I don't want to say a complete, it's pretty much a non-starter for Crusoe. But I also think that, you know, they're going to play it like they have time, like they have another year on his contract. But as we've seen here at this trade deadline, if you wait to try to do this at next year's trade deadline, Crusoe is going to have significantly less value. So maybe that ends up being one legitimate pick and one pick that's so protected that it's not going to convey a fake first round pick maybe a good second, who knows. But I think that price needs to come down or at least, like I said, have so many protections that the second one is a moot point because I'm not sure I'd be comfortable giving up two to basically make Caruso the headliner of your trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I, I think the more pressing question then could you, or would it cost more, is is it worth more than that, right? Like I, by all for all intents and purposes, Caruso's price is multiple picks right now. At right. least that's what the Bulls are projecting. Can you move them off of that corner? Yeah. I guess is, and we'll see. Like a, they had that period of competitiveness with Vooch out on top of Levine. They've come back to earth a bit. So I, uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I do want to point out, I don't know how to pronounce. I think it's Hidar maybe. Is that, we have someone from Iceland, with a super chat. Believe their name is Haidar. Derek, if you want to take a crack at the full name there.
2: No, I'm good. I will. Good.
0: But thank you very much coming all the way from Iceland with a super chat. Haidar, I hope that, I'm by pronouncing the way, your name.
2: Iceland is very high on my list of places. I, need I to have go not to.
0: been. My wife has been, and she said it was absolutely God, gorgeous. God. So, and I, especially uh, as someone
2: who like, likes photography and drone yes. videography, like I need to
0: get to Iceland. So the super chat in question, could Philly take Ben back to add value Ooh. in a trade with the Nets? Would they? Well, there could was also- they? Of course they could. Would they? <laughs> Fuck no. There was also
2: a, a mailbag question. Basically, like, if the cost of getting Mikhail Bridges was adding Ben Simmons to the contract, would you do it?
0: That's a little bit more interesting, I guess. But even still, I just, I know that Joel has opened the door with the comments he made what was it on Tyrese's podcast essentially saying that he wished it would have worked and Ben's blah, blah, left blah. the door open saying that he Bens left the door open I just look man I have no interest and in, I think he is a fundamentally broken basketball player and as much as like if the Mikhail part comes in somehow, maybe you could talk your way into it but I think the you're bringing up the c b a Derek one of the repercussions of that is like you're going to have Joel, him, Tyrese's extension, and then what Mikhail is already making. You're going to be a second apron team and have absolutely no ability to make moves, essentially, I think, if I'm doing the napkin math in my head. So, yeah, I just don't see a, a path to, to doing that.
2: So here, here, here's my counter to that. First of all, max contracts are changing. Right. So I like Pascal true. Siakam is eligible to sign a four year, $200 million contract extension. A, a super would be five, $300 million. You're talking about $60 million max contracts coming up. Ben Simmons only has one year left on his deal after this one at 40 million per
0: bargain. Uh, and then Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> real bargain. Mikhail- that makes Tobias Harris's <laughs> contract look like the best contract in the league. And
2: then Mikhail Bridges is two years left at about 24 million per year. So you're paying the two of those players $65 million. About a max contract slot. You only have one year left on Ben Simmons. The, the following year, you'd have Bridges on a very below market contract. I could talk myself into that.
0: Oh you would be God. an absolute would... cap
2: second apron in hell for one year. That's true. But Bridges is just such a perfect fit that if you can get him for two years at $24 million, that would offset some of the penalty of taking on Ben Simmons. But then you would have a what is Bridges, 27? 27, 27-year-old who fits your, your core two perfectly for the foreseeable future. If you'd probably want to stay around here a long time because they can contend and it's his hometown. Obviously, we have a co-host. who have a little more information on that, even if you wouldn't discuss it on air. <laughs> yeah, I'd do it. I would do it.
0: Uh, that's Next
2: year, you would be in Cap Hell and it would be very tough, but I would do it.
0: I I can't do the Ben experience again. And Bring anyway, Ben home, baby. I don't want to hear about nerve impingements. I don't want to hear. Oh look, he's he's ramping up. He's, Bring doing, the he's ready son for. Home. Dude, they had to put out. I think it was Brian <laughs> Lewis at the the post put out a report that was like, Hey, by the end of this road trip, he's gonna be able to play two on two. Like, hey, let's throw a goddamn parade. He's able to play two on two again, and this is like, he's just his body is failing him. Prior to that, I think he mentally was not prepared to be the level of player that he needed to be. I think now he's shown, like, look, he's gone from was the guy here failed at that. He had about as much star cover as he could have with the Nets, with Durant and Kyrie. And if you want to say that the team was a shit show and he was still hurt, whatever, like, okay, I get that. But was failing miserably with those guys was clearly a shell of himself as a player and now on a no pressure team he can't stay healthy enough to play and when he's healthy enough to play he's no good so like i don't know i just i can't do it because then i'll have the the people who i had to argue with for 3 years telling them that this guy sucks or is not as good as he needs to be at least coming back in like oh I'm- Ben's back, Ben's, it doesn't need a jumper, it doesn't need this. And it, I just I cannot go through that again for my the own, savage baby my Bring him home. My own personal savage. I mean,
2: maybe he can buy the house from Nick uh, Castellanos this. back.
0: It's perfect. It's perfect. Do you think Castellanos has done anything with that room? Or is it still like <laughs> it's like the haunted wing of the house? Just has the the green Simmo the Savage neon and the kids aren't allowed back there. It's like the uh where you keep the fine china in an old person's yeah. house. I don't I don't know how that works. Bring them home. Uh, Absolutely. I am extremely good on that. We did, <laughs> we did have... You would a, have
2: to include like every expiring you have. Like you would have to be oh, Tobias. Yeah. You would have to have... Well, then again, 25% of that number is pretty big. But Tobias, Morris, <laughs> Rocco, like all of them. Oh, please, God, no. Please.
0: <laughs> I would rather Robert Covington play point guard than watch Ben Simmons play any more basketball Here's for the, the thing, 76ers. though, with the way Ben
2: Simmons' career is trending, you don't have to watch him play basketball. He doesn't play basketball all anymore.
0: Right. Get... Give me bridges. Luckily, it's never going to happen. So, Uh, (laughs) Furious has another super chat for us. He says, With Levine value being so low, does it make sense to get Caruso and Levine? And do we have enough to make it happen? So, I mean, piggybacking off of the no market thing, yeah, that is one way that if you want, if you really want Caruso and you're willing to say. So,
2: like, what would you say? Like, Caruso and Levine for. Tobias,
0: multiple Cove, firsts, and two firsts. I think you could talk me into that. I really don't want Levine. I, and I, I don't just, either, but we just spoke about how, like, at least Levine give, plays basketball, unlike Ben Simmons. Yeah, but
2: if you're a Bulls fan right now, is that a good thing? Or, like, I think they might be celebrating that he's not playing basketball. Look, I think Levine is super talented. Offensively, I think he could be a fit. Uh, but 40 plus million dollars per year. And look, I just mentioned like contracts are going to be in a $60 million range for maxes. Uh, that's not going to be the worst contract in the world in a couple of years when the cap continues to escalate, but I have to believe in them to get myself into double apron hell. And I just don't believe in him and look Caruso's.
0: So you go into the double apron for Ben, but you won't. For one for year.
2: L- yes. For one, if, 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 Levine only had one year left on his contract. Yes.
0: Oh, but he doesn't. He has four. How right? long four? is my contract for again? When can I stop talking to you about? <laughs> I'm just oh, our friend from Iceland said I need to see the jump shot videos again. I take back everything nice that I said about the country of Iceland <laughs> and about you. For I'm just kidding, buddy. I, I know it's sarcastic. I, I I'm it, sorry. I'm so fixated on the you are being mad ben at me.
2: You no, I get it. Yeah. If you're talking like maybe, look, I like Caruso a lot. Levine's value is so depressed. If it drops down to Levine and Crusoe for one first round pick, tell me what the other options are out there. Uh, maybe. I just don't. I really don't want to have that Levine contract for four years. I just don't want it.
0: I think that's and by completely look, fair. Yeah. Because um, like, look, there are definitely nights where I look at this team and I see how few people can dribble. And I'm like, man, it'd be nice dribble, to have a, a yeah. real ball handler and then I go on the spotrack.com and I look at the contract and I'm like, you know, they definitely don't need that contract on the books no, for the don't. next no, four years. So, uh, look, guys, I, I feel like a lot of the comments after every show are, do you guys actually like anyone in the league? And it's like, yeah, but none of them are available right now, at least publicly known to be available. Here's the one
2: thing that gives me pause on Levine. And I think I'm pretty firmly in the I don't want that contract stance, but he has mostly played his career for two dipshit organizations. Yes. Being around a functional, and it's so weird. Trust me, it is so, I feel uncomfortable saying this, but being around a functional organization like the Sixers, imagine saying that a couple of years ago when their GM was getting fired for burning. Sounds like accounts.
0: Mad Libs to me. <laughs> but
2: imagine like Levine around a functional organization, a stable organization. Again, it just feels so weird talking about with Joel Embiid as a focal point, could he alter his game and become the best version of himself? If you can truthfully have enough people that have been around Zach Levine for the entirety of his career or the majority of his career, talk me into that stance. I might be able to get behind it because it is something where like he has the skill sets to be a second and third banana to, you know, go between those two roles to be what they need. You just need him to buy into that role, buy in defensively, especially off ball where he's a complete space cadet and, you know, be willing to take a backseat when that's necessary and he can be worth that contract. I do think he has the skills to be worth that contract, especially, and I actually just looked it up. It's only three years left, although it's a little higher than I thought. It's between basically about an average of 45 or so million over (laughs) those three years. It's a big number. There There will be a lot of big numbers signed in the next couple of years, but I have to believe in him more and I would just need someone to tell me, yes, he will buy into that role. I don't know if he would.
0: I mean, he would probably say he'll buy into it, but oh, of course he would. Yeah. Whether he actually does it, to your point, is the the forty five million dollars a year question. And anyone who doesn't want to take that risk, I get because as we talk about all the time on this show, I think the Plus, groups.
2: The, if you make this trade, you can't get Simo the Savage back.
0: The group's overall cohesion this year, and the the singular focus that. A lot of guys that, frankly, we were not high on coming into the year have bought into this vision. And on the one hand, you say, well, maybe Nick could get a Levine or one of these other potential trade targets to buy into that vision as well. On the other hand, you say, well, they already have all these guys bought into it and they're winning tons of games and they're capable of beating the best teams in the league when they line them up. So, like, why bother taking... A giant future risk let alone the short-term risk on the deal when you can just make you know smaller moves around the fringes in the rotation add guys to an already strong rotation with two stars at the top of it I understand that I even agree with it I think at this point if you're asking me if I'd rather do a couple small moves or trade for Levine I don't think it's even close so yeah I mean, we'll see what they end up doing, but we're going to have 17 versions of this conversation between now and whatever, February. I don't even know the date this year. It's February what? 8th. 8th? Look at you. You're on top of it, Derek. I think that's probably enough for today, though, right? Simo the
2: Savage, baby. Bring him home.
0: Simo the Savage is not coming home, but you know who we appreciate for being here? All of you, ladies and gentlemen, Hypothetical Man, Puppas, Dave. We got two Daves, Dave P and Dave Duer, three times, Furious, who had a super chat once again today. Cousin Grace, Puppa's from overseas. We got Sean, we got Randy, my guy Will, Gavin. I know Sal tried to slip in his stupid Imagine Dragons joke at the beginning of the show. So I see you, buddy. Best believe. We also had Hidar, I hope that's how you say your name, from Iceland today. First time I'm seeing you. That was great. Martian Lynch, Remo, Ash. Love the gang being here each and every day. As I tell you at the end of every show, if you have not already, can you hit that subscribe button for me? Hit that bell icon for me so that you get notifications each and every time we go live on this show. And if you hit the thumbs up button on this specific video, it would give me all the warm and fuzzy feelings inside. Derek is a black hole of emotion, so I don't know if it would do the same for him, but it certainly helps out the channel quite a bit. We will be back post game after the Knicks tomorrow. We got another post game show on Saturday night see you guys then Simo the Savage <laughs> we all silly like the mayor.